Oh, amen. Greetings to everyone in Jesus' precious name. Welcome, welcome visitors and those from the local body here. It's good to meet together in the house of the Lord and be reminded of the good word of God. Amen. The good word of God. God is good and be reminded of the fear of the Lord. We do tend to forget that if we're not careful, especially in this, our world where we have it so easy in so many ways. May we not forget the fear of the Lord. I'd like for everyone to stand, if you could please, and have prayer together. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you at this time in prayer in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for those words that we heard this morning. And we do believe, I I believe probably everyone in this room believes that you are the same that you were in the Old Testament. Concerning sin and how you feel about it. But God, you've given us Jesus that we can come before you in his name and through his blood with clean hands and a pure heart and, and pray to you. Thank you for that privilege, dear God. We come bowing our heads, Lord, and bowing our hearts before you. We do fear you because you are holy, thrice holy. And on top of that, you're almighty, the almighty, holy God. Thank you for those words this morning to us, Lord. And Father, we pray for further instruction from your word by your spirit. Help me, Lord, to be a vessel in your hand this morning. Help me not to say the things that, that, uh, that I think, but Lord, guide me according to your will and with, with the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord, into more truth. Father, we've gathered here in Jesus' name to hear the word of the Lord. Not the word of man, but the word of the Lord. And we pray for your unction and inspiration on, on the preacher and all, all of us who listen, Lord. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you probably all have an idea what those three W's stand for. You're right. World Wide Web. And I looked into it a little bit. And it simply means a system of interlinked hypertext documents access via the internet. It's exactly what it means. Simply a web, a connection point 
across the whole wide world. And more interesting to me is that the man who invented it is still alive. He's only 64 years old today that put this all together along with another man. And I didn't write his name down. But this man's name is Tim Bernice, Tim Berners, Berners, Tim Berners Lee. Sorry, Tim Berners Lee. He is currently a professional fellow of computer science at the University of Oxford and also a professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you probably put it together, or some of you might know this already, but it's not been that long that this was put together. It's less than 30 years that they came out with this. Almost 30 years. 1990, this was put together, this World Wide Web that you could put information in and log on and draw information out. Isn't it amazing? I thought it was amazing. And maybe also to me startling that something so young can be so big. Only 30 years old. Only 30 years ago that this powerful World Wide Web was invented. Well, I hope you won't be disappointed. You'll probably be relieved when I tell you I'm not going to teach on, on the technology this morning. I just use this as, a, as an illustration to my title. And so perhaps the next time you see www, you can think of something else. We may talk about technology just a little bit later on, but uh, that's not my message at all. Not at all. But I know we're so used to seeing these three W's anymore that I thought it might be a good illustration. And every time we see the www, hopefully we could think of the message this morning. yesterday most of us knew that it was the last day at least according to the forecast for a long time that we're going to see above 50 degree temperatures and I don't know if you thought about it but I did I I think it put everyone in kind of a hurry scurry mindset to get a few more things done before the snow flies and before it freezes up Even this morning, before we got to church, things were happening on the streets already. The manure haulers were rumbling past with their big equipment and and grain trucks were already rolling this morning. And I believe it was probably because of what they know is about to come. By tomorrow morning, we might have three inches of snow on the ground and it's going to be difficult to get their farming done. So I'm not planning to preach on technology, but I'm planning to preach the word of God. Is that all right? The word of God, this holy God that we heard about this morning that should be feared. I'm planning to preach his word and I'm planning to put three other words under the WWW that maybe we can remember. I'd like to tell us, and you already know this, but the word of God is much older and is very powerful and will never pass away. It's much older than the World Wide Web. 
It's amazing what that has accomplished in the last 30 years, what that has changed. But if we stop and think about it, it's amazing what the word of the gospel has done in the last 2,000 years. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. All right, I will do that this morning by the grace of God. He also told Timothy that all scripture, this whole Bible here, is given by inspiration of God. Not by the power of the internet, but by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That means complete. Thoroughly furnished, that means fully equipped unto all good works. Now, here I go, I'll probably say more about the internet than I want to, but you can, you can find out a lot of stuff on the internet, and you can put in there on the world wide web, and you can find out a lot of stuff, but I'm here to say it cannot make you complete. And it will not thoroughly furnish you unto godliness. It will not do that. It may give you a lot of knowledge, but the word of God that I have in my hands and that you have in your hands can make you complete, perfect. And it can thoroughly furnish you fully equipped for all good works. Furthermore, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is quick. That means alive. Alive. Have you found it so, brother? Amen. Have you found it so that in the, in, the, in the moment of your need, in a crisis time, you open up the word of God and administer to your soul? It needs to, brothers and sisters, because it is quick. It is alive. That's what that word means. And it is powerful. That means active. This is not a dead book it is active it is alive and it is sharper decisive than any two-edged sword piercing penetrating that's what that word means penetrating even to the dividing asunder separating of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, many people have said, and you probably felt it already, sitting under a preacher that is preaching by the inspiration of God, and, 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 you're, and, and God's Spirit is working in your heart, and, and afterwards you feel like, how, did, how does he know everything about me? I mean, he's talking about me. How did he know that? The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What a privilege this morning to have such a wonderful word to preach. What I say this morning is not something new. It's not something that you haven't heard before, but it is the word of God. It is the word of Jesus. It is the word from the lips of Jesus. And I want you to ponder that for a moment, because if you're not careful, you have heard this before and you can just kind of 
kind of tune out a little bit. Yeah, I've heard that before. But brothers and sisters, this is the words of Jesus. The words of God come down in the flesh and spoke to us these words that I'm going to share with us this morning. And while they are old, while they are 2,000 years old, they are nonetheless powerful and relevant to our day. And we should fear, we should fear becoming numb and calloused and, and casual and indifferent about the Word of God. I will do my best, hopefully not in the flesh, but to preach in, a, in such a way that is interesting. And I've tried to do my best in, in, making, in, in, making, in giving illustrations and so on to keep your attention. But dearly beloved, finally, we must engage ourselves and we must listen to it as this is from the Lord. Amen. I'm here to tell you, if you want me to compete with the Internet or with the popular preachers, I can't do that. I can't keep that thing going, you know, just a couple seconds at a time, change the picture like the TV or the Internet does. I can't do that. But it doesn't change the truth that what is in this Bible that came out of the, came out of the words of the lips of Jesus is very important this morning. For us to take serious, to sit up and listen. The three words that I would like for us to remember is. Whoops. Work. Watch. And wait. Work, watch, and wait. That's my title this morning. WWW. And you can open your Bibles to John chapter 9. And we'll read that account there from the words of Jesus. Gospel of John chapter 9 verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Verse 4 is the verse that I want. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's where we'll stop reading. Jesus explained here that this man was Blind, not because of his sin or of his parents' sin, a sin that they had committed and brought a curse down upon him. That's not why this man was blind. But it was rather an opportunity for Jesus to show forth the glory and power of God. 
And that's how Jesus lived his life. As he walked, he looked for opportunities here and there. And he met those opportunities every time, just as he walked along. And he said that this man wasn't born blind because of sin, but rather that, but rather that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Day and night here in this verse, verse 4, day and night, that represents opportunity. We have opportunity in the day. The night is coming when opportunity is over. No more opportunity. Yesterday, there was quite a, a hurry and a scurry because people knew that in 24 hours, there's probably going to be snow on the ground. And so we did things that maybe we wouldn't have done had we not known that. Well, Jesus knew that his time was limited on the earth. In fact, some, some uh, uh, I believe it was Adam Clark's commentary said that it was approximately six, me- six months later that Jesus was crucified. So here he was. It was day for him. He was on the earth. It was an opportunity for him to work. And he was working. And he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while I have opportunity. While it is day, the night cometh when the opportunity is gone. And so, first of all, this morning, I'd like to just make the point here that I believe Jesus was making. Let me give you a few more verses here, and then maybe I'll make some more comments. Jesus also said in another place, my, my food, my meat, what, what motivates me to, to work is to do the will of God, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus knew that he was sent on the earth for a short space of time and to do a specific work that God had given him. And then to go back to heaven. In his high priestly prayer in John 17 verse 4. He prayed to his father. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished, completed the work which thou gavest me to do. What about you and me, brothers and sisters here this morning? Are we seizing the opportunities? Are we? Are we working the work of God? Jesus didn't just give this as a nice story to fill space, but I believe he gave this as a lesson for us. He saved us for a purpose too. He gave us Christian faith and hope for a purpose. Are we seizing the opportunities? Little did I know that we would pull in this morning to church and there would be a person sitting on the steps Waiting, having sat there for already 40 minutes, waiting for someone to arrive. 
to ask for help. Well, that doesn't happen every Sunday here. And it was, I, we came around the corner and there she sat. And I could tell right away, this is the person that needs help. And you know, it, it caught me for a surprise for about three seconds. And then I remembered, here's an opportunity. This is going to be an opportunity. And so we park and we go right over to her and that's exactly what she wanted. She wanted, of course, money and she's sick. And so we helped her. We gave her a little bit of money and she gave her, gave us her address and willing to meet with us on Monday night, tomorrow night and talk more. So pray for, uh, pray for, uh, I can't even say her name. Margie. Margie, I believe, Margie Nash. She's, she, has, she has a big need, I believe. But anyway, are we seizing the opportunities? Are we as Christians? Are we working the work of God? You know, we, we might get overwhelmed and think the work is so huge. What about taking one opportunity at a time as it comes up? I think that's the will of God. And that's the challenge. Will we be able to say when our end comes, God, I have finished the work. I'm stirred and challenged this morning to at least endeavor to be better able to say that. God, I have tried to faithfully Seize the opportunities that you brought my way. That's maybe not always easy to figure out in our fast pace of life here, but I think we better figure it out, brothers and sisters. I think we better figure it out. Because Jesus said, Jesus' father prayed in his high priestly prayer, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. Same purpose, same reason, not to shed our blood for the redemption of mankind, but for the, for the salvation of mankind. Amen? Work. The first W. Work for the Lord. Work with what you have. Jesus said it's... It, we aren't going to be held accountable for what we don't have, but for what we have, what we've been given. We will be held accountable for. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. You can turn with me to Ephesians 5 for another scripture on this point before we go on to the next one. Ephesians 5. Verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. 
But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time. That means to buy up, to ransom the time, to rescue from loss, improving our opportunities, seizing the moment, redeeming the time. This is a commandment from the Lord to us as Christians. How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing in this matter of working for the Lord? Just a quick point, but I believe a very important one. Number two is watch. The word of God says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, act manly, be strong. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. It also says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Colossians 4, 2. It also says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. First Thessalonians 5, 6. Jesus said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Dearly beloved, good intentions are not enough. That's what I think that means. I want to do this. I would like to do this. I plan to do this. But if it doesn't get any further than that, that's not enough. It takes more than just a willingness. Watching includes an educated discipleship or discipline upon ourselves. It includes an educated discipline for doing or not doing what we do. If we're going to do the will of God, if we're going to watch, then we need to have more than just good intentions. We need to be instructed and educated by the word of God and let that guide our decisions. Jesus illustrated this point by giving us a parable in Matthew 25. You would turn there with me, Matthew 25. On this matter of watching, he gave us a, a nice little parable. Jesus taught with parables and illustrations, and here's, this is one of them. Matthew 25, on this matter of watching. We'll read the first 13 verses. I know that you, we, we all know this account, but it is a parable to help us understand how watchful we need to be. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. 
But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then Jesus said, Watch therefore. Don't let this happen to you. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Watch ye therefore. Now let's think about this parable for a little bit. Weren't the lamps their testimony? Couldn't that be our testimony? Isn't our light that we shine our testimony? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's our testimony. Let's look at it this morning, that that being our testimony. Well, if that is our testimony, what is the oil? I think throughout the scripture, we can, by looking at all the scripture, I think we can safely say this morning, the oil is the Holy Spirit given to us for a fuel, that which fuels the fire to have a testimony. No Holy Spirit. No testimony. Amen? No Holy Spirit, no testimony. No Holy Spirit, no fuel. So if the lamp, the light, is our testimony and the Holy Spirit is the fuel to keep our lamp burning, then what is the vessel where we have the fuel in? It's our body. The Bible makes that very clear. So we have our body being the vessel where the Holy Spirit dwells so that we can burn the life of Jesus and be a light to this world. So in all practicality this morning here, making this practical, both sets of virgins here started off with a testimony. And I would like to liken the foolish virgins like those that in our day had this cheap grace. You know, you just receive Christ. You believe and your name is written in heaven and there's never a real transformation of of your life. You don't really have the new birth experience, but you're a Christian. And so you're waiting for the Lord like all the other Christians. Or maybe you had the real thing to begin with, but through 
carelessness and a lack of watching, your vessel became empty of the Holy Spirit. It became clouded and, and cluttered. And after a while, the Holy Spirit has no room in there anymore. It perhaps came clouded and cluttered with bad attitudes, hidden sins. Things like this will cause our testimony to go away. All the while, perhaps thinking that we still are Christian. And that when the trumpet sounds, the bridegroom cometh, I'm going to go in to meet him. We think that. But that is not the case here. This matter of watching brothers and sisters this morning is serious. As well as the one working is serious. I like to suggest here that watching then is keeping ourselves pure for the Lord. Free from sin. We hate sin. We see sin as disgusting and deceiving and we flee away from it because we are waiting. We don't want to cloud our testimony. We want a clear testimony so we keep our lives clear. We keep the bad attitudes repented from, confessed, hidden sins. There's nothing there. We live open and transparent lives because we are watching for the return of the Lord and we want our flame to burn. We are longing, we are praying, our prayer is, Lord, take not the Holy Spirit from me, but fill me and use me. That's my prayer and our prayer if we are the wise virgins. We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again. And then when the trumpet sounds and the, and the cry goes out, the bridegroom cometh, we are ready to meet him and our lamps are still burning and we have a testimony. We have a testimony, an up-to-date testimony. Brothers and sisters, it's not a game. It is serious. Brother Vernon's message this morning on the fear of the Lord. It is true. I say yea and amen to that message. And dearly beloved, if we get slothful and fall asleep in this matter of watching personally our own lives, according to this parable, it will not be well with us. Let us deeply think about this and seriously consider this. It is the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord. Afterward came the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Is my testimony up to date? Am I filling myself with the Holy Spirit to give me fuel to burn a clear testimony? Not everything that is Christian in our day is Christian. Amen? 
watch, work, watch, and wait. Turn with me to Luke 21. Oh, dearly beloved. Luke 21, verse 12. Jesus speaking to his disciples here and says, But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts. Not to meditate before what ye shall say. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom. Which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends. And some of you shall be, shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For loving the name of Jesus. Now look at verse 18. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. I think that is simply saying God will see everything that goes on in your life, in my life. As we go through hard times of persecution for righteousness' sake. And then verse 19 is the verse that I want. In your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience, cheerful or hopeful endurance. Possess means to preserve your souls. It can be hard. It can be very hard. Just a personal testimony. I was having a difficult time last night. A very hard time. Just a number of things that are pressing in. And it was a pretty dark cloud, I would say, over me. And so I decided after dark, I would go out for a walk. It was a beautiful night for those of you that might have been out as well. And just spend a lot of time out there trying to get my heart lifted up. And at one point, I even prayed, Lord, I need a sign. I need a sign. I'm discouraged. Could you show me three falling stars? And that would be so nice. But you know what? No sign, no falling stars. But afterwards, not audible, but just probably came to my mind. And, but I want to give the Holy Spirit credit for bringing the verse to my mind. I didn't remember all the verse, but I remembered part of it. So I looked it up and it, it goes like this. In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 
And so I was just dwelling on that. God, you cannot lie. All these promises are true. Why do I need three falling stars? Anyway, I went to bed and slept well and woke up this morning. And, and, I, and I thought about this prayer of mine, the irony of it, or maybe even the silliness of it. Why did I think three falling stars would help my faith if all these promises here? You know, what, why would that help me when I have all these promises to believe? Knowing that God cannot lie. And so my heart was very much encouraged. But the battle is real. Men and women do fall away from the faith. They do give up. The battle is intense sometimes. And so I encourage all of us to press through. To not give in to doubt and unbelief and discouragement. But to press in. Romans 8.25, Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. God said there that there won't one hair fall from our heads without his Noticing it. So, work. Uh, watch and wait. Work, watch, and wait. You say it with me. Work, watch, and wait. I think if we manage to to get a hold of these three, if we feel personally our calling and responsibility to reach out and, and take the opportunities that God brings before us and that we watch over our own souls and that we learn to wait on the Lord when the times get hard, we'll make it. Otherwise, I'm not sure that we will. We can't be sloppy and haphazard about our Christian life. So the next time you see WWW, remember these three words, work, watch, and wait. I think I'll read a little bit from Gary Miller's book. In closing, here, one of the chapters is opportunity of our day. Maybe this is just to give you kind of an appetizer to to the rest of the book. It is indeed worth to read the whole book. One of the marvels of the Roman Empire was their revolutionary transportation system. Today, we give little thought to excellent highways, bridges, and engineered infrastructure, but there was a time when good roads in bad weather were almost non-existent. 
The Roman government put an incredible amount of thought and energy into developing the first-class system of roads. Previous roads had allowed water to puddle, creating muddy messes during a storm, but Roman roads were built in layers with solid foundations. They were also cambered or raised in the middle, permitting rainwater to run off. With crushed, compacted gravel, sand, and neatly arranged paving stones, these roads lasted for hundreds of years, and fragments still exist today. Over the course of 700 years, Roman built more than 55,000 miles of roads. As Roman legends conquered new areas, highways were built connecting these captured cities to the growing empire. This ensured access and allowed their military to move quickly to suppress uprisings and stump out rebellion. This expertly engineered road system also became a principal connection for commerce. Good roads made transportation of products possible, and as a result, these roads became the primary arteries facilitating businesses and trade. There are many similarities between Roman roads in the time of the early church and the World Wide Web today. Military and communication were the initial impetus behind both, and both ended up being used for so much more. Good roads and the web. What was God up to? For thousands of years, transportation experienced little change. Communication couldn't travel any faster than people. And without a good road system, moving information to new communities was difficult and slow. Is it a coincidence that this huge Roman road project, project started a few hundred years before Christ appeared? Was it by chance that this vast system of roads was completed just in time to share the good news of the gospel? The Roman government's militaristic goal in building these roads was self-centered and nationalistic. Yet God took what was meant for evil and used it for an incredible good. This allowed this same roads that were intended to serve Rome's global agenda allowed the gospel to spread throughout the known world in an incredibly short period of time. Now, are you ready for the next point? What is God up to now? No matter what your opinion of high-speed networks, satellite communications, fiber optic capabilities, or the World Wide Web, something huge is occurring before our eyes. This time it isn't stone roads connecting newly conquered cities, but the virtual ability to connect with anyone at any time, almost anywhere on the globe. Suddenly, ways of reaching out that were totally inconceivable just a few years ago, 30 years ago, if you will, are readily available. It's no wonder that many Christians are amazed and excited. We should be asking what God is doing and how we should use these opportunities. 
Why am I reading this? Well, for sure not to just suggest that I am, I am just fine with everyone just freewheeling and, and, and free access to the Internet for whatever they want. But what if Jesus is about to return again? And this is one way to get the message out to those that have never heard. And he'll go on and give you ways that that is happening in here. Just before Jesus came the first time, the roads were ready to take the gospel over the known world quickly. What if God is doing that again? Are we ready? Are we working? Are we watching? Are we waiting? Or are we wrapped up? in the wrong thing of this internet. So, before you run away from here and say, Elvin is just, this is a good thing, read the whole book, okay? Read the whole book. I believe God can use that, but read the whole book. There's a lot of chapters before you get to that one. A lot of warning, a lot of teaching. So may we be instructed by the word of the Lord this morning to to work, to watch, and to wait. God bless the message.